everyone, welcome back to another episode of Bias Check-In. Hi everyone, welcome back to week two of 2022. No, wait, week three. Isn't it week three? Well, it's January, it goes on for a while, but it's <laughs> only episode two of 2022. That is very, thank very you for true. That. Very true. And with that, what are we checking in with? Well, as we were recording last week, uh, President Biden was announcing that the U.S. unemployment rate fell under 4%, technically 3.9, but still under 4. (laughs) And the administration is very proud of this figure because it's the sharpest one-year drop in U.S. history. Um, It's been the biggest drop in U.S. history in the first year of a presidency, I think. And all the projections for this administration. So, yay, the economy is saved, right? (laughs) Uh, Six million jobs were added to the economy in the past year. So considering the pandemic, considering all the people that lost their jobs to the pandemic earlier on, this should be super exciting news for the country and anyone who is employed in it. At the same time, HR departments, IO psychologists, talent departments, have been monitoring and addressing what we've come to call the great resignation phenomenon and how labor negotiations have absolutely tipped the scales for the employee and the candidates. It feels like if you're listening to the recruiters, they are just throwing jobs at you out of the windows. You just have to walk down in the business district and you will get yourself a raise and unlimited PTO. (laughs) So this week we figured out we will break down what some of this all means, um, why the unemployment rate can only really give us a partial story of work mm-hmm. in any given country, and what it can mean for us in selection, in HR departments, managers that are trying to hire talent, or for those of us on the job search. So, as the probably longest intro on record, <laughs> there's a lot on our plate to break down today, but let's start from the basics. Susie, what are we really talking about when we talk about the unemployed 3.9%? Yes. So what my IB economic courses taught me is the unemployment formula is the unemployed divided by the labor force times 100. Before we talk about who counts as unemployed, let's talk about where the unemployment rate has been. January 2021, we were at 6.4%. Okay. December 2021, we got to the 3.9% that we're talking about. Okay. But we've been up to like 15%. When was that? <laughs> April 2020. <laughs> Holy, but that makes sense. Like in quite in the aftermath, like when restaurants were closing and we couldn't leave the house and we were learning to make our own bread. Are we talking about that timeline? Yeah, that's... That's the one. <laughs> makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, if you think about it, um, at least for me at that time, I was living in a part of Chicago where there's a lot of restaurants, nightlife, and even just all of the places that couldn't afford to keep their staff anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, once you start doing delivery only or you close for a couple of weeks trying to figure out how exactly the apocalypse is getting to our neighborhood, a lot, a lot of people found themselves having to reinvent themselves or going on unemployment. 
other scary number. In 2009, it was 9.9%. 2011, 8.5%. Nicer numbers, 2019, it was 3.6%. And this year, we just mentioned 3.9%. Now we actually get into how it's calculated. The unemployment rate divides the number of unemployed workers by the total available workforce. Unemployed workers must be age 16 or older and available to work full-time in the past four weeks. They must have been actively looking for work during that full time frame but also all those who are not part of the labor force, so children, the elderly, those not legally authorized to work in the country, hint, hint, and any individual who is not actively seeking employment, so students, trust fund babies, <laughs> and people who just decided to give up and live of unemployment. And temporarily laid off workers do not count. So when we talk about April, 2020 and those ridiculous rates, we're also not talking about all of the office employees, all of the white collar workers that were furloughed. Mm -hmm. So the numbers is still very conservative. And as of November 2021, California has the highest unemployment rate at 6.9%. And Nebraska has the lowest rate of unemployment at 1.8%. Nebraska should be the new state that works. I'm curious. <laughs> So that already cuts out a bunch of people. Um, it gives us an idea of all the information that just looking at that number, that 4%, 3.9, at some points, I think we went up to 6.2. That rate does not tell us a whole lot. Generally speaking, a low unemployment rate is still a positive signal for the country. But as Susie was saying, it can also be artificially low because it shows that students are not looking for employment or those who aren't unemployed are not actively seeking new jobs because they've lost faith in trying to get employment or work through these channels altogether. An example that my econ professor used in undergrad was a thief is technically employed their entire lives, but they're probably a lot richer than you if they're a good thief. They will never be considered employed, but all of that to say there's a lot of parallel industries where we see this. And this is part of why even the gig economy occupations, so your car service drivers, your delivery drivers, your dog sitters, cat sitters, dog walkers, what have you, are also so heavily regulated right now because there is a whole lot of revenue and information that otherwise we would just not capture. There are also considerations to make here on how unemployment can affect different people differently. As Susie was saying, unemployed trust fund baby is probably not crying themselves to sleep at night. Um, but if you remember back in December 2020, when we looked at the numbers for who had been laid off, who had to resign as a consequence of the pandemic, those effects had been disparately affecting women and especially women of color. Um, so we don't know yet if these new hires that we're celebrating for 2021 and are drawing unemployment down are serving the same people who had to step back to take care of sick family members, to take care of children at home or who were laid off in the earlier uh, parts of the COVID pandemic. That or how many of the employed can support themselves on their wages. 
as we also see like the food shortages the talks about rising interest and inflations the federal minimum wage hasn't moved a lot since 2009 so actually it hasn't moved at all since july 24th 2009 um when the average rent was half what it's now and everything else accordingly so one of the things that came to mind when we were talking about service workers and uh, the unemployment rate in April 2020. Now, living in a very similar neighborhood in Chicago, every little business, every place that had to terminate those workers or that furloughed those workers has signs in the window seeking help, help wanted, all kinds of signs and have to offer all kinds of benefits, whether it's a small business, a chain, we are seeing minimum wages in Chicago at least or entry-level positions for a lot of nationwide chains that start at 15 an hour. So twice the minimum wage for, uh, I, I'm using this word, but I don't mean it, unqualified, quote unquote, entry-level job. That's a whole other conversation that we also need to have at some point. And part of the reason that I was thinking of this is also right now with the CTS, CTU negotiations, Cold War thing going on, a CPS teacher could easily make more getting a bartender license. So if we're looking again at compensation, at benefits as a way to attract and retain talent, that's also something that we're going to be up against. The fact that so-called minimum wage jobs are treated and are becoming very competitive with more skilled jobs and they just don't imply the same amount of stress and responsibility for a lot of us. And can you let us know how much minimum wage is? I can because it's the same that I was paid for most of my life in the US so far. It is a whopping $7.25 an hour. Damn. Okay. So you can afford about two packs of gums if you really make sure that you calculate the taxes in, in some states. And rent keeps increasing and tuition keeps increasing and everything keeps increasing. Actually today, I'm still in Mexico City and avocados or a kilo of avocados is now around $4.5. Which I know is ridiculous for you in Mexico, but I think most of the Midwest would probably jump on that and cause an avocado shortage. <laughs> I don't even I don't even look at avocados. Look at us. We went from avocado toast to destroy the economy to just not even being able to afford those. Literally. But I know similar figures for Italy. Historically, a cup of espresso, even before we joined the Eurozone and the European Union, was always a thousand lira. And then when we switched to euros, that transposed to one euro. Simply one coin, you put it down, you get your coffee, you go about your day. It's such a staple and stereotype of daily Italian life. And already when we switched to euros, one euro was actually 2000 liras. So prices immediately doubled on everything. But somehow we adapted. There were simpler times. Now people are absolutely furious because coffees have gone up to 170 if we're keeping up with inflation, which is also incredibly uncomfortable with coins. 
and we don't use cards or Apple Pay or what have you for one euro of coffee. Most places will laugh you out of the store. So it's a simple little thing, but it's a struggle. I know what you're all thinking. Why don't they just raise minimum wage? Little econ knowledge, fun facts that y'all should know. Historically, high unemployment has typically coincided with high inflation. So is it possible that raising the minimum wage could help stimulate the economy because of the increased spending power of workers receiving higher wages? It is also possible that too high of a government mandated minimum wage would negatively impact employment levels because if you have to pay more money to people, you want to pay more money to less people. So basically saying for companies to be able to afford a higher minimum wage, then that the expense remains the same in the short run. So what we're really going to do is see more furloughs and see more terminations and see less hirings. Mm -hmm. Raising the minimum wage would, well, economists argue that too high of the minimum wage creates an artificial labor market, which Claudia just explained. And then the free labor market, so where people would rather get paid $10 per hour, but actually get paid than to get paid $15 where they're not getting paid because they're not getting hired. Little econ fun facts for y'all. <laughs> I do think between these two, what we're seeing right now and what we're going to go into in a little bit with the HR side of it and the hiring side of it is closer to the free market, the free labor market that you just cited, because it's pretty much employees stay at a job until there's a better option. But also the moment there is that better option, my two weeks are in, my PTO is cashed out, and in the most professional tone possible, deuces. And also, if you increase minimum wage and you keep all of your workers in order to pay all of your workers, you have to increase the prices of your goods or services, thereby kicking up inflation even higher. But enough with inflation and minimum wage. Let's go back to like how prices keep increasing. I'm still on the bar stool account for my university. They keep increasing tuition 3%, 4% when we're still in a pandemic and there's not much to do about it. And also when a lot of students are questioning if it's even worth it to go through everything we talked about before, Zoom University, lack of resources, lack of networking, but the price doesn't care. Exactly. So even when we see people being employed for the sake of calculating unemployment rates, this does not account for part-time jobs, minimum wage jobs, and how we might need to work multiple jobs to afford the same quality of life right now. There's even that meme of a cashier at a big box store. The client tells her, oh, well, if you hate your minimum wage job so much, why don't you get a better one? And the cashier replies, oh, I know, this is my third job. Oh, I haven't seen that one. Eesh. Well, another example in very true millennial fashion, um, I was talking to some friends about their 
year-end bonuses and their races and how they're doing at their jobs. And this friend commented on their bonus and the very small percentage it had to increase, not even inflation. And so we were doing the math and I was struck by like, oh, if this is your finances, if this is your budget, how the heck did you get married and buy a house with that budget? And then it came to me, like, in true very millennial fashion, we still have to do all of these things. We're still expected to get married and buy houses and everything. While on these very, very sad budgets. And don't get me wrong, we're all in this together. But this was an older friend that, in my head, like, oh, these older people are more adults, they have their life together. And it turns out, no, we're all the same <laughs> yeah and on top of that there's this wonderful narrative of well millennials are choosing to have pets instead of children that was also a wonderful declaration that came out um, this past this week. week and we are choosing to have roommates instead of spouses so that we can live in apartments and we can keep paying rent so our landlords can get <laughs> Um, so, you know, it, it sounds like it's our fault. We're just making all of the bad choices. If this was a pick your own adventure, we are left <laughs> with the chapters that are sticky with someone else's fingerprints, but that's for another story. <laughs> but going back to the fact that as Susie was saying, for whatever reasons, whatever cards we were dealt or inherited, um, we are left working multiple jobs brings us to the other side of the equation. HR, selection professionals, our recruiter, talent acquisitions, IOs. Shatter has been building up for months now about how employees are quitting out of the blue. They're finding better offers. Everyone is on the market and they're moving around more and faster than we are used to, um, especially because we know that that is often the best move for career mobility and competitors can offer better compensation work from home options or other work requirements, which maybe we didn't value that much before the pandemic, but we have definitely come to get used to and we don't want to give up on right now. Like I know for one, I'm very happy with my current employer. I know we don't have any plans of ever going back to a physical office. We sold that, so there's no going back now. But I know that if I was working for one of those companies that was trying to bring everyone back in the same building, that would probably be a deal breaker for me right now. Um, and it's one of my boundaries that I don't want to cross in my professional life. So that will put me right back on the job market. We had this conversation in passing the other day, but it was, would you go back to the office? Do you miss the office? Do you miss, like, would you go back? And we were having this conversation of like, well, I would like to have the option with twice a week. Yeah, I think the standards change especially for us like you've had some work experience in an office setting mm -hmm. um, i've mostly had either on-campus jobs so office settings but within a campus setting which is its own microcosmos mm -hmm. or i've worked remotely so i mean we're recording i'm wearing my pajamas and my comfy and my employer is okay if i show up to work later with this mm -hmm. so 
it's it's almost alien to me to think about waking up hours before I'm actually supposed to be at work, get dressed, get ready, and schlub myself in the CTA for 40 minutes to go to a building to do what I'm able to do in a comfy at home. Same. I, I do miss the idea of like just the separation of church and state of here I work, here I go home. But it's also there's days that I don't want to get out of bed and it's so much easier to just move myself to my desk. That is, you've seen my apartment. How? <laughs> what's the space between my bed and my desk? <laughs> uh, like uh, a foot and three magazines. <laughs> Maybe. Um, <laughs> no, and we are talking about just comfort because at the end of the day for the dream job, I will probably take the commute. But when we start thinking about people that have a little bit more family obligations that you and I have right now, that may have children that are either doing learning from home, remote learning, if you're a Chicago-based listener or you've had the news on at any point in the past week, you may have also seen the whole debacle with CPS and CTU. There's a lot of uncertainty. So employers are willing to meet people where they are, whether it's with children, with family members they need to take care of, with whatever needs we have, are going to be the ones that retain talent or that steal it. And we want to know where you listeners are. Are you looking for new jobs? Are you staying at your job? Do you have three jobs? We are legitimately interested because we are in the gig economy. So why not? Yay. <laughs> it doesn't look like we're getting right, rid of it quite yet. Um, so yeah, let us know. Um, are you working from home? Are you one of those people that misses the office? We asked this a while ago, but... As right now we're trying to commute in below freezing temperatures, I have a feeling the answers will be a little bit skewed compared to <laughs> last fall, last September when we were talking about it. Um, if you want, catch up to those episodes. And otherwise, I think it's time for my spiel. <laughs> Go for it. So let us know what you think. Let us know how your job search is going. If you were one of the people that got out of unemployment, in the past year of the Biden administration. Congrats, super happy for you. Whatever your working situation is now, send us a DM, send us a voice note. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at, at biascheckinpodcast. You can send us an email to biascheckin at gmail.com. You can support us through the our experiences with the gig economy on anchor.fm and you can leave us a voice note so we can thank you back for the donation as well. And otherwise, we can check in next week. See you in the next one. Bye, everyone.